Hello and welcome to YA Book Jam, the monthly book club championing recent YA books hosted by me, Arden Jones, and me, JL Bleakley, and me, Shelley Mack. This month's book is Let's Play Murder by Kessie Lupo. It was published by Bloomsbury YA in April 2023. You'll know it by the snow. Welcome to the game, a secret virtual reality unlike any other. Veronica hates VR, and when she accidentally gets sucked into the game, she'll do anything to leave. But the only way out is to get to the end. Solve the murder mystery, reveal the killer, and ideally win the grand prize. It should be straightforward, but something doesn't feel right. There are blackouts, glitches, strange characters, and four other players that Veronica can't trust. She can't help feeling that a mysterious shadow is haunting their footsteps, toying with them. Then when a player dies, Veronica has to ask herself if this is part of the game or if there's a real killer playing by their own rules. This may not be the game Veronica wanted to play, but it's the one she has to win. Or die trying. So I'm always on the lookout for new YA books. I'd seen and heard so much chat about it all over social media, and I thought it sounded amazing. The blurb, right? It's just brilliant. At the time of publication, Kessie was an editor at Chicken House Books, and she'd worked on one of my writer friend's books, Melissa Willever's My Love Life and the Apocalypse, which I loved. So I knew her book would be my next read from my ever-growing and huge TBR pile. So let's chat about the title, Let's Play Murder. It's pretty cool, right? Does what it says on the tin? Well, for me, it really drew me in. I wanted to know what the game was and how on earth you play murder. So title-wise, I was invested. How about you both? Title, yes, I loved the title of this book. I thought it was sounded very intriguing. Um, how do you play murder? At this point, when I saw the book before I read the synopsis, I didn't know it had anything to do with VR, but I was very intrigued. I thought the title was great. Um, I love a murder mystery, so instantly I was really ready to read it. I really like it when a title is to the point. And yeah, I just thought this was absolutely perfect. Yeah, me too. So would you have given the book another title? Honestly, it's so difficult coming up with a title for your own books. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, in my mind, it's perfect. Like it does everything you want. It's quick. It's snappy. You, it's so easy to see right off the shelf. Um, I don't think I could have come up with a better title personally. I agree. I wouldn't have chosen a different title. And I'd be interested to know if the author herself had a different working title to begin with or if this had been a suggested title by the publisher because it is perfect for the book itself and I loved it. I wouldn't change it. Yes, that's a good point. I'd like to know that too. So they say you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but do you guys ever do that? I'm so bad for it. Personally, I tend to prefer simple covers. I think they make more of a statement. So this cover really drew my attention. I thought it looked very cool and it had 80s vibes with the neon colours so what did you guys think of the cover? I'm the same. I love a simple cover. Like for me, if there's like too much going on, I can kind of get a bit lost. But I think it's, you know, the covers kind of identify to the type of book that you're reading. And so I'm not like a, for instance, I'm not like a fantasy reader. Yeah, I know, blasphemy, everything. Um, <laughs> so the really intricate fantasy covers I kind of tend to ignore. So, yeah, this simple cover was great. But although we do have a fancy novel coming up on the podcast at some point in the future, and that cover is beautiful, but I will say no more. Yes, I was 100% in love with the cover, um, even more so when it arrived through my letterbox. I, you know, if I hadn't known that we were reading this in our book club podcast, then I would have bought this 
um, this from the cover alone anyway, and I agree uh, about, you know, you do buy, uh, don't judge a book by a cover, but I think as a reader, that we definitely do do that. I certainly do. So yeah, perfect for the cover. I love it. So let's chat about the opening. Um, so the minute I started reading this book, I was hooked. There was absolutely no way out for me. I may as well have been Veronica and walked through that door into the game. So the game is like this virtual reality game that can only be played by those who dare to enter or in Veronica's case, accidentally enter. And the prize promises to make your deepest and darkest desires come true, but only after you've solved a murder and survived the other competitors. Just freaky. So I thought the dynamics of the game were explained really well, which I think helped to, ha to have a protagonist who had no idea what on earth the game was. So how did you feel about the opening? Did it hook you? Did you feel the premise was clear? Did it set up the story well? I think for me, at the very beginning, I was very intrigued. I actually read the first chapter quite late at night. And it was a long chapter. Normally, I'm one of these people that likes short chapters in books, but it didn't matter for this book because I felt the pace was really on point. And when I had finished the first chapter late at night, I went straight into the second chapter. So I was definitely intrigued, definitely hooked. And at the beginning, I don't feel at the beginning that I knew exactly what was going on with the game, but I was really keen to find out more about it. I thought the premise was very intriguing and pretty clear. I loved the concept. Um, I love a map at the start and it just made me feel like I was playing a game of Cluedo when I saw it. I was instantly taking in all the rooms. I was adjusting my detective's hat and I was whipping out my notebooks to start collecting clues from the get-go. I just, I love a whodunit. I'm not a big gamer, but I just love detective novels. So I was completely hooked from the beginning. Yeah, Elsa, and your first impressions of Veronica, do you feel like she was relatable or likeable even? Was you rooting for her throughout the book? Yeah, I immediately sympathised with Veronica in her situation um, with her brother, a good big sister and a protective big sister, playing VR with him, even though she didn't want to. Like, I, I totally bought all of that, like the annoying little brother, but you feel bad for him. And so you're trying to cheer him up. And I was just invested in her straight away. Like, I just I thought she was a really lovely person. I just wanted her to succeed from the beginning. Yeah, I was the same with Veronica. Uh, immediately, I was um, right there with her in her story. I felt she was very relatable. And basically, um, for me, my inner geek swerved on a high five. And I was, you know, yes, you can do this. Get in this game and do what you need to do. And yeah, I found her to be a well-written, um, well-thought-out character. So I was, and for me, that's always a very important aspect of a book in the very opening chapters is to be able to feel like you're on board with that character, that you're on that journey with them. And I thought that her character was written exceptionally well and I really enjoyed that. And that's basically what got me into the story was Veronica's character. Yeah, I agree. And also talking about that, it's like your inner geek. I'm also very similar. So I felt like I related to her like nerdy side I suppose um I've always been a little bit of an outsider in a good way um so yeah I was absolutely rooting for her like the love that she has for her brother really came through and all, all throughout I was like I wanted her to succeed there were times um that I thought I'm not quite sure I'm not sure if I like her but that was like as we got further down but yeah definitely at my first impressions but she is likeable relatable and it just made me want to carry on reading to find out what was going to happen to her and if she was going to win the game so who was your favorite character in let's play murder and why 
So throughout the book, Veronica, I really felt bad for her. And I knew you could just see that she was struggling with stuff and these internal demons. And I just wanted her to be all right. Obviously, as the book continues on, you learn a little bit more about Veronica. But for me reading it, I was team Veronica throughout the story. I would say mine changed. So like you both have said, I was very much championing Veronica from the beginning. But as the story started to unfold, things started to change for me and I started to see things and question things and my mind was going off on a different path. Um, I quite liked Nate, I think because I love to sort of retro, retro style and there was something very questionable about him but exciting I was really keen to see what was coming with his character but I never felt like I didn't like him even although he was clearly hiding something I was more just interested to see what was coming from his character next and I loved his clothing choices and the fact that he knew about things that I know about and I thought he's a bit of an old soul so yeah I liked him it was was good. Yeah I also really liked Nate and um, just agree with what you said there uh Shelley so I what I really liked about Nate as well which is kind of a so spoiler alert here but his relationship with Angel later on through the game I know we yeah it was kind of it was a big shock but just knowing that they had that tenderness between them just I, I really liked that part of it um but I also really liked Aaron funnily enough he was a bit sulky and a bit spoiled but he showed a tenderness and he's shown kindness and empathy. And yeah, that I was like, I really wanted something to happen between Aaron and Veronica anyway. So let's put it that way. Uh, and were there times that you disagreed with a character's actions and why? And what would you have done differently? Um, I think as much as I liked Nate, I disagreed with a part of when, when he made his big reveal, um, the, the bit that we were all waiting for. I sort of disagreed with that because I thought, why would you reveal something like, like that in a game when others are watching, especially the powers that be that must be somewhere in the background? I felt as if that might have been, I don't know, a bit of a possibly a plot hole, I'm not sure. Um, but I, I disagreed with him openly telling the rest of the, the cast that he was doing that because I'm, I'm surprised that he managed to stay alive much longer after that point, to be honest. What you need to know about me is I'm a massive scaredy cat. So let's see. I wouldn't run back down into a room that, you know, is disappearing. Uh, <laughs> even if the guy in it was very cute. And I'm with you, Arden. I really wanted Veronica and Aaron to get together in this book. But even for that, I would not be running back down there for Aaron. I wouldn't square up to zombies ever. I'd probably run and hide and try and figure out the mystery so I could get out of there as quick as possible. And I don't think I would have split up from the group. Actually, I wouldn't have volunteered to take part in the game from the beginning, knowing me and what I'm like. Um, but that is why my life will never be a story. It's not that exciting. But for it certainly made the book exciting, though. But when it comes to what I personally would do differently, a lot of things, um, I would have been a very boring character in this book. It's a good thing I wasn't in it. Um, well, I think like originally, because I'm also with you there, Jess, I'm a bit of a scaredy cat. And to be fair, I don't often read horror. So this for me to choose this was was a bit out of character. But um, yeah, I really just would I definitely would not have ever put on a virtual reality headset if my sister had died in a game of virtual reality, even for my dying younger brother. And that is something that I definitely would never have done. Um, but it also we kind of as we get through the book, we 
learn as to why she did that. Um, also, I was a bit confused about was why Charlie handed Yasmin's trainers to Veronica. She definitely would not have done that. That they, even though they didn't fit her, she still could have used them for themselves. It just, it just didn't feel like that was in character for for Charlie at all. She would have definitely used them for her own advantage. Um, and if the book was made into a movie, oh, that's the dream, right? Who would play the characters? Well, I'm terrible at knowing actors' names. Um, my knowledge of teenage actors today is basically Stranger Things. <laughs> they're probably not. They're probably all adults now, anyway. I, th this is where I am completely showing my age. Um, I'm limited to also Stranger Things, but never have I ever. And I can keep seeing different members of the cast from both of those that could suit um, the characters in this book. But I am really bad with actors' names, like the up-and-coming actors at the moment. Florence Pugh, for example, I think she's she's older, but I could maybe see her. She's quite a dynamic character. I could maybe see her as Veronica playing that sort of... Um, the different side of her character at the beginning and then it unfolds you know very very differently as the book goes on i can't believe we're all mentioning stranger things this is um, <laughs> it's a very strange thing but talking about stranger things i think veronica i think sadie sink could have played a good veronica um and also finn wolfhard from stranger things would have been a good nate and that's as far as i've got to be honest although i have just started watching Ginny. is it Ginny in georgia and um oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think Ginny would would make a good Yasmin because she's she's just got that like natural kind like a really kind side of her, and it really shows. And she's such a good actress as well. Um, so I think she would have made a great mm -hmm. a, a great Yasmin. Um, let's talk plot. So in the game, they're all given an item by Angel. Is an NP they're an NPC or a non-playing character to help them solve the murder mystery. Veronica is given a Walkman which is a portable cassette player from the 80s, if anybody doesn't know that. Mm -hmm. I loved mine. This item could record important information. Nate had a phone which helped him contact the other players during the game via the landlines in the rooms. Yasmin had a pair of trainers which helped to see the traces of other players' footsteps. And Aaron had a watch that could rewind time in the game by 30 seconds. If you could choose one item to help you solve a murder, what would you pick and why? Oh, for me, it would definitely be uh, the watch that could rewind time. The fact that you, can, you can't ever fix your own mistakes in life, but in the purposes of a game, you can you know, rewind that time and do it. I love that element. Um, definitely that would be, be my choice for sure. Yeah, the watch is probably the one that makes the most sense. It could get you out of a lot of sticky situations. But I feel like if I was trapped in a house competing against people and then found out there could be a killer around... I think shoes for sure to keep tabs on everyone and try and figure out where everyone is and if anyone's sneaking up on me. Oh, great answers. Um, I think personally, I would have liked the watch. Like Shelley, I, I do love a bit of time travel and I would love to have been able to go back in time and quickly like not gone into that room full of zombies. Um, but also, I think if you're trying to solve a murder and you want to record really important information, I think a Walkman would probably be the most sensible answer for me um because i don't remember hardly anything so to be able to just listen to mm. that again would have been would have been obviously very very helpful um but talking about those items what were your thoughts on how they used them do you think they used the players used them to their full capacity they definitely did not use them to their full capacity i don't feel i'd be using those things constantly the tape recorder was used more than once i think if i remember right um 
I wondered why Aaron didn't use his watch to save Yasmin. Um, that kind of confused me a little bit. I guess when they were split up and the other players could have been using their items and maybe we just don't know about it because we were in Veronica's point of view. I don't know if it's just me and my competitive nature, but I'd be using them nonstop and I'd be keeping tabs on the other players and seeing how they're using theirs as well. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, I feel they were not utilised um, nearly enough, especially because it wasn't like they were capped. You can only use this item a certain amount of times. You're solving a, mil- a murder mystery, which, by the way, I absolutely loved that the sort of genre blend in this book. That was a, a brilliant uh, concept for me. So I have to say that if it was me, I'd be just constantly reversing time. Oh, we've not, right, we could maybe redo this again, do it better. So yeah, they really could have um, upped that in the story. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I really loved the idea of having these items in there, but definitely felt they wasn't used enough. But I, I feel like, if anything, those items were kind of not even necessary to the plot. I felt like they could have solved this murder without them. I do know that like the trainers helped when we get to like a secret passage part of the book. But um, I, th- I think Veronica would have discovered that anyway. Um, and I would have loved to have seen more of them because I think it's especially time travel, that would have been great. Just going back 30 seconds and having another part of that chapter with something different happening. I think that would have been really, really good to see. So what scene would you point out as the most pivotal moment in the narrative and how did it make you feel? Well, for me, I think the game changer was Yasmin's death and Veronica's part. You know, the fact that she started to be there at all the wrong points, you know, and I felt as if it was getting very confusing and in a good way. And I started to, that's when my my brain started to totally turn itself around and go off in a different path. That point in which she discovered Em and Yasmin together and what happened after it, that was a pivotal point for me and a total game changer for me in the book. Mm. Yeah, this was tricky for me to answer because there was a few moments for me. I remember um, when the snow reached the top of the window and the ground disappeared for the first time because suddenly it felt very serious and suddenly there was this ticking time bomb element to it where it just added so much to the storyline. Um, and it just, at that moment, I re- like it was, this isn't just a game. This is something a lot more serious and more dangerous. The idea of there being a time limit always stresses me out. And it, but that's great for reading because I'm wanting to know what happens next. I think when Veronica goes off on her own on the third floor, the story shifts as it focuses on her. Yes, I think like that moment, like the huge realisation that in this virtual reality game, that if you die in the game, that you die in real life. I mean, I I guessed that from the start. I thought this was going to happen. But I think the characters realising that Yasmin really died in, in real life as well as in VR just gave that plot so much more urgency. But there was a little bit further through. I just couldn't shake off the feeling there was something also going on with with our main character. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. So let's talk about the plot twists because... Who doesn't love a plot twist? So was there any that you loved or, or hated, actually? So my, I, I just loved the unreliable narrator twist. I didn't see it coming. Um, it took me by surprise. And for me, it's what makes this book so unique and so good. And it was definitely my favourite aspect of this book. See, for me, I found I actually had started to put the pieces together and I had I was not shocked about the unreliable narrator side of it. But I loved it. I loved that a book didn't end the way that it should because there's most books 
have got your kind of beginning, your middle and end. It's all tied up at the end with your pretty end and with the big red bow. But for this, this book was not like that. I, I do feel uh, like it had the perfect end, actually. Um, and normally, like I am one of these types of people who I just love everything to be perfect at the end and everybody's happy. But it wouldn't have suited this book. So I thought the author did this absolutely superbly and I loved the way that it ended. So, yeah, bravo. Yeah, now I really liked M's twist. I really loved the fact that if you die in real life during a VR game, your conscience is still uploaded to the game and you continue to play. I thought that was such a clever plot twist and something that I was not expecting. And I just really enjoyed that. It really just shocked me in a good way. And I just wanted to just really discover more about M and why she was in the book. So talking about M, did you feel like the ghost of M or that people die in VR still playing the game in death was a believable part of the plot? Actually, what I will say is it gave me pause. Um, you know, when I was, uh, when I, while I was reading this book, I kind of felt like, is this feasible at all? So I started, I actually spoke to Jess at one point about it because this book really got in my head, it really got under my skin. And I started to do some research about it because that's how much I was thinking about it. And uh, I realised that actually, you know, if you're wearing a VR headset and you're you're connected to a game that you could be hurt from that if somebody was to, like, for example, whip off your headset while you're still in play. Because for me at the beginning, I was thinking, why doesn't she must be somewhere? She's in this room with her brother. Why is somebody not realising that she might need help and just taking her headset off? But then it all played into the game as well, the fact that the conscience was uploaded. So it could be very, very dangerous for any of the players to have their headset removed. I mean, I really, really felt as if when I learned more about it that, yes, that could be a believable part of the plot. And I thought it was actually quite clever. So it changed my mind from the beginning once I did a bit of research on it. And I thought it was actually quite a clever way to do it. So I didn't really overthink how believable it was while I was reading. I kind of just took everything at face value, partly because I'm not a very technically minded person. I'm also like a little bit terrified of technology and certainly AI and things like that. And I, I do think Alexa's trying to kill me. Like I switch her off anytime I'm not using her. I'm always a little bit um, skeptical of technology anyway. I kind of think there's something a bit sinister about it. So I kind of just took everything as I was reading it. Maybe I kind of took this the wrong way when I was reading it, but I believed M's ghost was just that, like a ghost. And the other players, I wasn't sure if they were real or not in the game after they had died. Um, and I just expected it to be explained at the end. But then the twist, unless I've missed it, but then the twist was so surprising for me. I kind of, I guess I, I just assumed that because of what Veronica had done, it would make sense that her sister's ghost would be haunting her both within the game and out with the game. I kind of saw um, as something a bit different from the other ones who died inside the game. Yeah, okay, because that's kind of, I kind of feel in a similar way. I mean, when I'm thinking about playing a game and someone dies in a game, if you're if in VR or any game, that's then game over. We're then, we're then kicked out of the game. Um, so if M had died in the game, although she died in real life as well, the game could have just kicked her out, like they just kick out other people. So I, I just wondered how, like, why that would have been so different just because she died in real life. I mean, that's all just stuff that don't really need to go into because it's a book. So yeah, that's probably I'll probably not give a great answer, but then I would have just liked a little bit more clarity, I think. Um, but I did think it was really believable. Um, and I did really, really like that plot twist. 
So does anyone have any questions about the plot? Do you, are you still questioning it as to what's happened and why? A lot more after talking to you two. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, um, but isn't it amazing that this book's made us have so many questions and think about it so much? It's been a long time since I've read certainly a, a YA book that I've thought about for so long afterwards. Um, so I think that in and of itself is a huge thing. Um, the question that I had that I guess wasn't really answered I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong. I kept wondering why were these five players chosen for the game? And I just wondered what about, I thought that was maybe going to get all tied up, that you're going to find that there was links to these other characters and why they were chosen to then be in this game. Or was it just about Veronica? That was kind of my question afterwards. For me, the initial question that I had was, and it continued for me throughout, was the VR element of the game. I feel like with VR, you should always have a real world time dimension. And there should always be a connection to that. Now, I feel as if maybe they've put the the conscience side of it in to try and counteract that. But for me, I just couldn't get my head around it at all. I was, like, really struggling with it. That, you know, why could you not still have some element to the real world? So I felt as if it was like Veronica put the headset on and then all of a sudden she was just in a different world, almost like in a dream state where there was no connection to the outside world. But again, maybe that's exactly the way that it's supposed to be. At first I thought, oh, it's going to be like Ready Player One, but then I ended up feeling like it felt more like an escape room environment. Towards the end, I loved the fact that the VR element just kicked in a bit more, and I was getting more from that. But the the VR side of things, um, the sort of feasibility of that at times, I, I struggled with. Um, I don't know how you guys feel, but I, I think just because I had it sort of in my head how it was going to be. But maybe that's not a bad thing, you know, it just kind of enlightens me to a new way to do it. So again, you know, it's, it's very, very interesting. It certainly provoked a lot of thought in me, which I like. I like it when a book does that. So that was a good side. For me, I, I think just for the whole making sense of why there was VR in the first place, I, I cannot, for the life of me, understand why Max's parents would have allowed a VR set in his hospital room after what happened to his sister. I'm like, that just would not have happened. No parent would have said, that's okay, this child can play VR, even though they're dying already, knowing what happened to their child. So that was my first thought. How can we even believe this to be real after what happened? So that, I mean, to me, that was quite a big thing. I just thought, no chance. As a parent, no way would my kids ever play VR again um, after that. So my questions are like has Veronica got a taste for murder now and you still do you think she's going into playing more VR games for this and did she survive after all because when we get to the end it's all very VR again is she a ghost in the VR game that's what I'm wondering what are your thoughts well uh, the ending quite quite confused me actually if I'm honest and then I thought well maybe I think it's just meant to be open to your own interpretation because you think that her life's all been wrapped up tight and you know I think going back to what you said about People always say, don't they, if you ever were to murder somebody that you can get a taste for it. I feel as if she maybe doesn't have her, like her conscience is definitely different from other people's whenever you see the unreliable narrator side of her and it comes out that this has happened. She definitely isn't feeling the remorse the way that you should do. I, I, I don't know. I think it's a good question. How did you guys feel about that? Because I, I personally felt like at the end, I don't know if it was, did she actually die in the game? And this is her, she's like still living in a virtual reality. I think there's lots of ways it could be interpreted. The way I interpreted it was, I felt like that last scene was happening in real life, not in VR. And that was a real ghost 
who had finally come to get her and it just just when it looked like Veronica was going to get away with this you feel like she's got all the money through everything's great the family's great and then all of a sudden they just pull the rug out from under her and it's like actually you can't run away from your problems this still happens. I love that everyone's got their own uh, interpretation of what happened that's really interesting isn't it I, I have no idea um just why I have these questions so I quite like the fact that she actually died in the VR game and she's now a ghost and she's just repeating this and this is what happens when you play this game so there's more more ghosts of are coming into the game so there could be another book another time mm-hmm. and and veronica is is in that book haunting somebody else that would be quite interesting and we, we spoke about veronica being an unreliable narrator how do you feel about that well you know i loved it it's so satisfying about being tricked and that kind of moment when you're reading and you gasp and you're like oh, no um that's always what i look for in a book so i hadn't read a lot of stories with unreliable narrators um weirdly i've read a couple since reading this one but I, I definitely do like it. I think this author has done an unreliable narrator before, but I didn't know that. And I'm glad I didn't know it. I think if I had known or if someone had said about an unreliable narrator, it would have completely changed my reading experience. Yeah, I felt like for me, I, I would compare this to only for the unreliable narrator side of things to Gone Girl. I don't know if any of you guys have ever read that. Um, I remember reading that and just being like gasping. And I was like, what? And I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, in that book, there was that the characters were not likable in any way, shape or form. But the story was so good that it didn't even matter that, that you didn't like those characters. But in this book, you actually did like the characters. So that was what made it even better, I think, that you got that plot twist. Um, but for me, I think that's the only other book that I read with, with a UN in it. And I was kind of like, oh, wow. I was like, yeah, that really works. And I really liked it. So two books straight that I've read with, with that aspect in it. And I've really thoroughly enjoyed it. So, yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, I also did. Um, I've not read that many unreliable narrator books. I'd recently read, um, it's called A Tidy Ending by Joanna Cannon. And I was not expecting that to be an unreliable narrator either. And I and I really loved it. So when I was reading this, and I didn't think really until I'd got just towards the end of level two, um, I had no idea that that's what was going to happen. And I'd really grown to not like Em. I thought that Em was a, just a horrible, horrible sister and probably deserved to die. And now, like, and then by the end, I was like, no, I just felt, I felt like sorry for this person. So there was a little bit of me that was like, oh, no, I really wish I didn't feel like that. But also how clever that was to bring out these emotions in us, to feel this hatred towards Em and then discover that actually it was Veronica after all. Yeah, I felt I thought that was really, really clever. Um, so I just said for me, I realised at the end of level two when, well, not realised, I couldn't say I totally realised, I had an idea that Veronica was an unreliable narrator by the end of level two. So when did you both start thinking it? Yeah, I was the same. I was uh, at the end of level two, I started to kind of piece it together. And I thought, uh, I actually thought that she, by before we found out, I thought that she had been responsible for, for killing him. And then I thought that she was just basically on a, a path of destruction, maybe whether she realised it or not. So I wasn't overly surprised when I found out the sort of plot twist when it all tied up at the end. But I loved the way that it was written and I loved the way that it was done and I loved the way that it ended. Do you know what happened? I became so invested in the murder mystery of this story that that's where I was putting all my energy. I had notes written. I was trying to figure out, OK, I'm going to solve this game that they're also like I was almost as if I was a player and I was trying to figure out this murder mystery so I wasn't even really thinking about um, the 
unreliable narrator. I was so focused on solving that murder, which I did, by the way, solve it before they revealed that. And I was very chuffed with myself. But clearly that was not the main point of the story, which I've totally missed. But that's just me. I just, I can't, I'm such a sucker for a murder mystery. So the only thing I would say is clearly like we've all had a completely different experience reading this book, but I kind of wish the murder mystery did have more to do with it. Like I was stopped trying to solve it, thinking that this murder mystery would somehow link to the people who were organizing this game. Like it would unlock more secrets. And I, I really thought that was coming at the end where by solving this murder mystery, you were going to see that somehow it was linked to these players or their families or, and it was all going to like tie together that way. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree as well because um, it kind of you're leading me on to thinking about the ending and how did we answer all the questions. I mean, I I didn't start thinking I need to solve the murder mystery because I just I got waylaid with who is the killer in out of these group of kids. Like I was desperate to find out what was really happening. So, do you think? I know that we've discussed like we've still got questions about the plot, but do you feel? like the whole of the book like the way it was tied up was believable do you feel or do you feel like it was far-fetched at all um apart from what i said earlier about why the players were picked yeah those are the questions i really have why that murder mystery why was that one chosen why was that important but other than that i felt pretty satisfied with the ending as far as veronica and M. it was really creepy I didn't really ask my t- myself at the time if that ending for those two characters was believable i guess it's what makes horror scary for me is when it's something that you can't explain and it shouldn't be able to happen, but it is. Some, someone who died years ago shouldn't be able to torment people now, but it happens in every ghost story. Monsters shouldn't be able to live on, in our basements or in our attics. Someone shouldn't be able to get into your house when it's locked. And it's things that make these stories so creepy. Your dead sister shouldn't be able to change the music on your playlist while you're hiking and then appear in a forest and grab you. And I think when I read it, I thought the problems in the game were, were glitches, as I said before. And I felt like... Um, this was the real ghost now. But again, that, as I said before, that was just my interpretation of it. Yeah, I mean, I think just our opinions in itself about the book can alter the way that we think about it as well. Like, your idea is just, like, if these people have been targeted, see, I've got an issue with that. If they've been targeted, then how and when are the game players going to know that somebody else is ever going to put a VR set on? Because why would Veronica put a VR set on again after what happened? But then, obviously, she does because of Max. So how would they ever know when to target or when to pinpoint or, you know, because technically she would probably never, ever put a VR headset on again. So I don't know if they're, I think they're just random people that have all been in the game. However, if they have been targeted, then technically they could have the person who's targeted her, the people on the dark web, for example, maybe they know a lot about M's death and they've made their own avatar to torment Veronica, which is a new element that could be quite interesting to investigate but this book kind of made me want to overanalyze and to figure out what was going on. But I kind of like in a way that I don't know all the answers because I think when you have a book that's horror um, or you've got a book that's a thriller with that speculative edge to it, then I think it allows you to kind of do what you want with it as well and have people ask questions. You know, you want to have that creepy element that doesn't necessarily need to be answered. And I think this book definitely had that. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, there were just like, parts where it was absolutely terrifying but really believable as well um like what's more scary than like a repeated phrase like ready or not here i come that's it was just Mm -hmm. uh, sending chills through me um and i just i think i felt like the whole the whole thing was really believable really like the setup of the game the explanation as to how it's played and why you can't escape Um, but like that your conscience being uploaded to the game um the introduction of m and like i said earlier her haunting phrases that will stay with me forever were those parts that I absolutely loved about the book. Um, 
And Shelley, you've mentioned that you do play VR. Um, and I'm like, how how do you feel about that now? Does would you are you gonna play it again ever? Would you ever step foot <laughs> into the game? Well, if I thought for a second that any of this kind of thing could happen, absolutely not. I've never put a VR headset on again in my life. <laughs> um, I think that I think it is quite worrying the way that the world is going. Um, and like when I read Ready Player One, I loved the the fact I loved and I hated it that you could actually go into a world and be somebody like maybe be the person that you've always dreamed that you are, but then you're also not embracing who you actually are within yourself, which I think is so important. And I think VR can be a dangerous. It's dangerous in so many ways because it's taking you out of your own reality, which sometimes is healthy, but sometimes it's not. So there's good and bad with it. Um, but in, in, in terms of um, the whole VR element, I find that when you read a book like this, it's, it is a bit, you know, it's quite scary to think of the way that the world's going and the way that it could end up in 10 or 20 years. So, yeah, I feel as if it, 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 it felt a little bit too real at times, you know, when you're looking at this game and you're like could this happen would this happen yeah it's quite frightening but I think that added to the horror of the book overall so next month Shelley will be our next host and she'll choose the book of the month Shelley can you give us any clues for October's choice well um October's choice I'll not say what the title is not yet it's not been revealed but um Hold on to your seat belts. I'll say that because you are in for quite a creepy ride. This book is a book I read last year and it was my favourite horror of the year. So it's a perfect Halloween choice um, for our October podcast. And I'm really excited to talk about it, share it with you. And uh, hopefully we'll have lots of interesting chats and questions about that one as well. Because this podcast today has been brilliant. Oh yeah, it's been it's been so much fun, and I just have to mention that uh, the book that we've chosen, I have a huge phobia about. So um, yeah, this is going to be interesting oh, no. for me. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm still looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm still looking forward to reading it. I'm looking forward to doing this again. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, so thank you all for tuning in to YA Book Jam, and we'll be back next month. See you later. This has been YA Book Jam with your hosts Shelley Mack, JL Bleakley and Arden Jones. Remember to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at YA underscore Book Jam. And if you enjoy the podcast, rate, review and subscribe where you listen. To watch Arden interview authors and illustrators, check out Kidlet Live on YouTube and you can find her across the board as Arden Jones. You can also follow Shelley on Instagram at Shelley Mac Books for her author Q&As and on Twitter at Shelley Mac Books. And you can follow Jess at JL Bleakley on Twitter and at j.l.bleakley on Instagram. 